It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. There was a big announcement that came from the University of South Carolina on Tuesday afternoon. And I think that Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks football program were a big reason behind it. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina Gamecock athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and also the lead staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen here today. We are free and available on YouTube and also wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. And before we get into this Wednesday edition of Locked On Gamecocks, I want to let y'all know that this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. The University of South Carolina made a big announcement on Tuesday afternoon through Athletic Director Ray Tanner and Chief Financial Officer Ed Walton. And to spare you all the grandiose details, here's what you need to know. The University of South Carolina is in pursuit of a privately funded land use agreement with a developer regarding over 817 acres of land owned and controlled by the university that's adjacent to the Long Family Football Operations Center, along with the Colonial Life Arena. The estimates for this plan comes close to around $1 billion. That's right, not a million, a billion dollars. Now, this project is admittedly still in the planning and logistics phase, so at this current moment, there is a lack of specific details from the administration. But the point is, The university and the athletic department have a very ambitious plan, clearly, regarding a bunch of unused land right now that is extremely close in proximity to Williams-Brice Stadium. What is the main takeaway that you need to have regarding this announcement and Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program? Well, here's the main takeaway. Shane Beamer and the football program have delivered promising results and great publicity for their program, obviously, itself, and the university, to the point where this university, the administration, the athletic department, are all seemingly deciding to invest in further development of, again, unused land in order to propel their athletic programs, particularly the football program. And there's good reason why, regarding what Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football program have done over the last couple of years. There's an excitement around this football program right now. It's quite palpable everywhere that you go in the Columbia area. It's something that hasn't been seen with this football program since the Steve Spurrier era, probably dating all the way back to 2013, sort of that last really good year that the Gamecocks had under the head ball coach. There's been obvious on-field progress made with this football team, going from two wins in 2020 to winning 15 games the last two seasons, of course, including three top 25 victories all in 2022, which included two top 10 victories subsequently 
and a win over their arch rivals in the Clemson Tigers. In recruiting, the Gamecocks just finished with a 16th ranked recruiting class this past cycle, according to 24-7 Sports Composite Rankings. And in 2024, the class could be even better. It could be a top 15 class, maybe even top 12. Who knows? Maybe even a top 10 class. You also got to include some of the transfer portal recruiting. Spencer Rattler, obviously, probably still to this point, the biggest recruiting win that South Carolina has gotten. Maybe Nicholas Harbor is a 1B at this point. We'll see, of course, how all that pans out with his football career here. And here's the other thing. With everything that's happened both on and off the field for South Carolina, the national perception, you're really starting to see a transition in terms of how people, how the main public base of college football thinks about South Carolina. And I think that what is happening here is the university and the athletic department are recognizing this current wave of momentum, this surge of momentum that the Gamecocks football program has gotten up to this point. And they're looking at this as a golden opportunity to invest further, basically to strike while the iron is hot. And the other thing is this, I think it also shows that Right now, the administration is showing some foresight. They are trying to stay ahead of the curve when it comes to the changing times in college football. Because here's the thing. We all know that based on what's going on with football games and basketball games, baseball games, you name it, with how easy it is these days to stream a game on your televisions at home. Just sit there, prep your own food. You don't have to go to the stadium, maybe pay certain concession prices that you think are absolutely just completely out of line based on what it is that you're getting. You could do all of that in the comforts of your own home. And schools are starting to recognize this. So there's more of an emphasis on the fan experience because there is a decreasing attendance that has been clearly shown over the last decade, 15 years or so, again, with the rise of these technological advancements. And these universities, including South Carolina, they want to get people to stay at games. They want to maintain a solid base of fans that are going to keep on coming back. And so what they're trying to do now is they're trying to add certain amenities. They're trying to add other businesses now to the surrounding areas with the venue that they hold these events so that people have reason to come a few hours before the game and hang out with their friends or family. So they're looking at adding places like high-end restaurants, hotels, maybe some top-notch recreational areas, maybe a golf course, for example, some retail stores as well. Places where, if associated to a certain degree with the university, they could get some do-re-mi out of it. Because admittedly, let's be honest, this whole process is partly about money. But the athletic department and the school itself here at South Carolina, I think, are clearly seeing where the sport is heading. And again, they do not want to fall behind the eight ball. They do not want to lag behind to the point where... The program basically misses out on an opportunity to, again, strike while they have everything that they have in their favor at this current moment in time. And the thing is, I know that some people might complain about things that the athletic department has done in years past, years maybe far before I ever really got involved with South Carolina sports as a fan. But I think that this athletic department, objectively speaking, in the past year has done multiple things to show that they are increasingly getting more and more committed to the football program and subsequently all the athletic programs that they have here. You got to look at Park Avenue, which was an in-house NIL firm that the Gamecocks had created 
that was going to really help out the football team especially. Of course, the NCAA stonewalled that with their rule clarifications late this past October. They're participating in the Atlas GM NIL initiative, one of only six schools in the country that originally joined that program. They allowed ESPN access to their football program this past fall, Welcome Home South Carolina Football, which had five different episodes that the entire country could watch before the season started, which was a really smart publicity move. And also, they start their own streaming service, Gamecocks Plus. Now, granted, there's a lot of schools out there that have been doing that. But again, the school is showing that they've got to continue to be forward-thinking when it comes to what the fans are wanting, how to be accessible in terms of the content that they get, their experience at a game, and all the like. They deserve credit for the vision that they are implementing. But... At the same time, Shane and South Carolina's football program have been a huge catalyst for these moves that have been made in the past year, in my opinion. So, this is a great move for the entire school. I think that, at least based on what it seems like they want to do with all of this undeveloped land, that this could turn to something great. This could really put South Carolina at the forefront in college football in terms of a true fan experience. And I promise you... All it's going to do is really make it a lot more difficult for recruits who are looking at South Carolina to say no. Because again, when you got your family and friends coming in from out of town, they're of course coming to watch that kid play. Their son, their friend, their brother, whoever it may be. But they also do care about what their experience is like. How are they treated? What all are they able to partake in while they're in Columbia if they're coming from out of state? This is where South Carolina could, again, stay ahead of the game compared to all their SEC counterparts and their arch rivals from the upstate. Now, South Carolina, on the football front, has been doing quite well the past couple years. The men's basketball team, on the other hand, has taken a lot of lumps this season in Lamont Paris' first year, and that continued on Tuesday night with another tough, close loss to the Missouri Tigers. How did this game unfold? We're going to dive into that in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Super Bowl week is officially here on FanDuel, the number one sports book in America. They have so many great features that make betting on sports both fun and easy. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. They offer you easy bets where it just takes you a couple of clicks to maybe decide that you want to bet on a certain spread. Or, if you're someone that's very aggressive when it comes to your gambling and you want to go for it all, so to speak, then you could try that same-game parlay. And, of course, even if you just bet $10, $15, $20 or so, you could win big just making a bet on something like that with a football game, basketball game, any sport that you can think of. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the years of best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. 
See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball in just one place. You'll hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and also players. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube and also wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of college basketball, South Carolina's men's basketball team played on Tuesday night against the Missouri Tigers on the road in the other Columbia. South Carolina, of course, has not fared very well this season, while the Missouri Tigers, on the other hand, are right now considered to be potentially an eighth seed, according to the latest projections by Joe Lenardi, ESPN's bracketologist. They've done quite well in year one under Dennis Gates. And South Carolina lost their eighth straight game on Tuesday night, losing by a final score of 83-74 to to the Missouri Tigers. So let's break this game down beyond the final score. Why did the Gamecocks lose this game? Well, the answer is pretty simple to start. The little things keep adding up for this team. And for South Carolina, the little things are little mistakes that add up on a possession here, a possession there. And before you know, by the time you get to the end of the game, all the mistakes have accumulated up to a certain point where it basically has led to your final deficit. And that explains this game quite well from Tuesday night. South Carolina lost by nine points, and the game was a lot closer, honestly, than the final score indicated. But these little mistakes added up, and that's what led to the game Cox losing and letting this game slip away in the final minutes of the contest. The main reason why South Carolina lost this game was turnovers. The Gamecocks turned over the basketball 14 times in this contest, and that led to 18 Missouri Tiger points. What led to these turnovers? The guards for South Carolina, Michi Johnson, Chico, Jacoby Wright, everyone that played guard for South Carolina on Tuesday night, they did not handle the pressure very well for Missouri. Missouri is not exactly the greatest defensive team when you look at the statistics. And when you watch them play, it's easy to see why that's the case with how much they put an emphasis on going fast offensively and basically constantly trying to press in order to give themselves really good shot opportunities on that end of the floor. And if you're going to do that offensively, usually you're going to sacrifice a little bit defensively. But Missouri, they do not necessarily play that way. There are times where they're not afraid to vary up the pressure that they give their opponent on the defensive end. They will sometimes trap you. They'll sometimes try to give you some full court press. They'll vary up the things that they are running defensively to try to throw your guards off kilter. And once again for South Carolina, that really got to them on Tuesday night. It's the exact reason why South Carolina lost to the Georgia Bulldogs earlier this season, a game where they were the better team for the majority of the game. They should not have probably lost that game. But Georgia started running some full-court press, and South Carolina's guards, they just faltered too much, and they could not handle it. That happened again on Tuesday night. 
The guards sometimes tried to thread the needle a little bit too much when they faced some pressure. And then there was other times where maybe they were trying to throw the basketball to an area that, quite frankly, just was not feasible. Trying to make, at times, cross-court passes with two guys in front of them. And those are just decisions that are not conducive to good offensive basketball. And usually, it's going to lead to your opponent getting the ball, and then all of a sudden, they're now on a fast break, and they're likely going to get some easy points out of it because the rest of your teammates are now having to catch up and full-blown sprint down to the other end of the floor, and it doesn't matter in the end. And that's what happened to South Carolina far too often on Tuesday night. It's something that has got to be cleaned up because, again, You've now seen it in multiple different ball games where this is the main reason why South Carolina has lost. But these turnovers were not the only reason the Gamecocks lost. Another reason why South Carolina got cold at the worst possible time. In the final nine minutes of this contest, South Carolina only made three of their final 14 shots after they were shooting around 60%, quite literally, heading into that stretch. And I also believe, heading into the final nine minutes, the Gamecocks were only down by one single point against Missouri. They were holding their own. They had a chance to potentially win this game in spite of all the turnover issues that they had leading up to that point. But South Carolina just, again, they got ice cold. Now, this is going to happen for every basketball team, no matter how bad they might be or no matter how good they might be, basketball teams are going to have cold spells. The key with these cold spells is being able to fight out of them quickly. South Carolina was not able to do that at the end of this contest, and it really impacted them because with how well they had shot the ball up to that point, Missouri shot the ball equally as good on their end, and they continued to do that. And if anything got better in the last nine minutes, while South Carolina fell off a cliff in terms of their shooting. One last reason why the Gamecocks lost this game. The inability to hold off Missouri's ball handlers for entire possessions. South Carolina, in terms of their defense, I've seen this happen multiple times this season, where Lamont Paris is standing there, and he's very engaged with his team, especially on defense, because that is his calling card. That is what he wants his team to pride itself on with their play. And South Carolina's doing a good job. They're staying in front of their guys. They're rotating well. They're going over screens. And they're down to about 10, 9 seconds on the shot clock. And usually, when you force a team to get down to the final seconds, you pretty much got them right where you want them. But for South Carolina, there's still too many occasions in these games where they get an opponent to those stretches. And then... Maybe they get beat off the dribble finally. There's one guy that's just not able to stay in front of his primary man. Or maybe somebody gets a little bit too lackluster with their awareness and they leave a guy too much space in the corner or on the wing. And there's one extra pass that's made with a few seconds left. They shoot the ball and they swish a three-pointer with like two seconds left on the shot clock. In terms of those possessions, South Carolina wins the first couple battles. But the issue is, they're not winning the proverbial war at the end of these possessions. And again, it's another thing that along with the shooting at the end of the game and the turnovers, it caught up to South Carolina at the end. And that's why they lost this game by nine points to Dennis Gates, Missouri Tigers. Now, a couple of quick positives to take away from this game because it was not all bad. Hayden Brown, I thought he had a really good game tonight. Maybe his best game offensively he's had in a couple of months. His aggressiveness and transition was quite noteworthy. 
I thought that despite the fact that Hayden Brown is not a traditional ball handler, his basketball IQ was on full display on Tuesday night in terms of knowing when to put his foot on the gas and be hyper-aggressive and go straight to the basket, knowing when to lay off a little bit and wait for all of his teammates to come up with him and then they could run a set play, slow down the tempo a little bit, and also knowing where his teammates were and being able to make a few wide-open passes to his teammates and let them take some good shot selections. I thought Hayden Brown did a great job of this on Tuesday night. He probably all around was the best player on the floor. A close second would have been Gigi Jackson, who shot the ball quite well on Tuesday night. And the reason why I label him as a positive is more so just beyond his stat line, because the Gamecocks, of course, expect Gigi to be able to carry a certain portion of the load offensively. I thought that his response to his benching was really good because Gigi did not start on Tuesday night. He did not play the first, I believe, six and a half, seven minutes of the contest. And there were some people that actually were debating, you know, was this a good move by Lamont Paris? Objectively speaking, yes, this was a good move. Lamont Paris needed to send a message to not just Gigi, but everyone else on the team. Because if Gigi gets punished for doing what he did on Saturday, which was, again, go on social media and obviously really expresses frustrations over the loss, and he was to start the game anyways, that sets a precedent that every player after him and all the other guys on the team can do the same thing with no consequence. But with Gigi getting benched for this game, suffering a punishment in front of the fans, and obviously probably more so behind closed doors, South Carolina's players now fully understand this is what Lamont Paris expects from you in this program. He's not going to put up with this kind of you-know-what. So I thought that that was a good move by Lamont Paris. And again, I thought Gigi Jackson handled it quite well. Hopefully it is, again, a valuable lesson that he's learned and everyone can move on from it and it's a non-issue going forward. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, getting back to some football talk, and more specifically, recruiting talk, to cap off today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Let's talk about Noah Jenkins, who is a 2024 safety prospect, or defensive back prospect overall, that released his top five on Monday and included the South Carolina Gamecocks. He is located in Highland Springs, Virginia, so he falls in that DMV area that Shane Beamer and this staff greatly prioritize in their recruiting base. The rest of his top five were Virginia Tech, Pittsburgh, Ole Miss, and Penn State. So kind of besides Ole Miss, which is a bit of an outlier from a distance standpoint, he's looking at a lot of schools that are not too far away from home. And Noah Jenkins had an interesting interview with Phil Cornblue of the Sports Talk Media Network on Tuesday, where he mentioned that right now, he's actually already got a commitment date tentatively planned out as he plans to announce a decision on July the 4th, of course, Independence Day. And with his interview with Phil Cornblue, he had this to say regarding his visit at South Carolina and what all he liked about his visit. Quote, the system that they have built for upcoming recruits. Coach Beamer is a great coach. He doesn't show fake energy towards the recruits. 
He's real raw. What I took from that visit was how they are trying to set everything up for us upcoming recruits. And he also wound up giving a hint to Phil on who his favorite is right now, or at least what he likes about his favorite out of his current top five. Quote, it's the system itself. Every school I have right now, they've got a great system. But I feel like this is the environment that fits me. I can't really say too much right now. So obviously, Noah did not say specifically which school is his favorite, but based on literally the answer that he gave not long before then regarding what he liked about his visit at South Carolina, it seems like that the Gamecocks may be firmly in the driver's seat when reading the tea leaves here with this interview that Noah Jenkins did with Phil Cornblue of the Sports Talk Media Network. Now, admittedly, I have not really gotten to dive into Noah Jenkins' film yet to get an idea of what kind of prospect the Gamecocks are pursuing here at the defensive back position or safety, cornerback, whatever he ends up playing in college. But obviously, I think as this staff has shown up to this point, Torian Gray, he's very good in terms of his recruiting ability. And he's also very good in terms of developing talent. And so if Torian Gray likes him and Shane Beamer likes him, he's in that DMV area. Noah Jenkins very well could be a recruit to watch for Gamecock fans in the next few months with this 2024 recruiting class. But with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are your thoughts on this recent announcement of this major development project that the athletic department and the university seem to have planned? How much of a role do you think Shane Beamer and this football program played into this plan potentially being pushed to the forefront here? What were your thoughts on the men's basketball team and their performance against Missouri on Tuesday night? And lastly, what are your opening thoughts on Noah Jenkins and where the Gamecocks could stand in his recruitment from this point moving forward let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on youtube or you can shoot me a direct message at a line underscore sc on twitter and i'll try to respond to your message as quickly as i see it and once again don't forget to make lockdown college basketball your second listen or watch now that you have watched or listened to the lockdown gamecocks podcast but once again y'all that does it for me on today's show have a great rest of your wednesday and i will catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.